0: In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was at that time called Belshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. And at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man, dressed in linen, with a belt of the finest gold around his waist. His body was like chrysolite, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. And then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this, I stood up trembling. And then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days, and then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia, and now I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Welcome back <laughs> <laughs> to the Ransomed Heart Podcast, friends. John and Morgan here in episode two of a series that we began last time. I love this story because it takes us back to a, you live in a highly populated universe. Let me unpack it a little bit. So Daniel is this beautiful man, a man full of integrity, a very godly man who loves God. And he is with the exiled nation, the exiled people of Israel in Babylon in captivity but he still has a life with God there, which is very reassuring that you can have a life with God in Babylon. And he's given a vision, and the vision is so startling to him that he fasts in his own fashion for three weeks. Fast for three weeks, and, and at the end of this three-week fast, an angel appears to him. But the angel expresses something to him, something absolutely extraordinary. The angel says, Daniel, I'm sorry I'm late. Actually, your prayer was answered three weeks ago. The day you prayed, God sent me. But I was detained by the prince of the Persian kingdom, by this mighty fallen angel, now in the army of the evil one, who held hold over Babylon, wouldn't let this angel of God into his realm. And he finally had to go get Michael, the great archangel, to help him break through enemy lines. And get to Daniel and bring him the answer to his prayer and what's fascinating is later in the story he does tell him you know here's the explanation and then he says now I've got to go and I have to fight my way back out of here to get out of the realm of the prince of the Persian kingdom so here is what we were talking about last time friends is that we live in a highly populated universe and how critical it is to your understanding of your life and the resources available to you and the things that come against you to really grasp kind of the biblical underpinnings of this idea of there are angels and various ranks of angels. There are foul spirits and various ranks of them. I mean, here's this holy angel of God that can't get into what would be like modern-day Iraq because some mighty fallen angel is keeping him out. And they have to battle each other. And then what we were saying last time is that not only is the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness at war with each other, the kingdom of darkness is at war with humanity, and especially with those who, as Revelation says, are the followers of Jesus. He went out to make war against those who are the followers of Jesus. So that's what we covered last
1: time. (laughs) John, It's helpful as you read that today it reminds me, this is the normal Christian world view, or in other words, at least the view of reality that the scriptures seem to present. And I'm just aware that also operating on a regular basis is this unbelief, this spirit of unbelief, right? Because it's much more convenient yes. in the short term yes. to just... Dismiss all that. But in fact, what you're presenting is right here, right now, wherever we are listening to this, that there is a spiritual realm that's very active and that's shaping my world today. Okay. So here's a really cool story with that.
0: So my sons turned me on to the Bible Project. They've got a website. They've got a podcast, the Bible Project. And it's some great theologians, some really solid thinkers, really creative guys. And part of what they do on their website is they create these beautiful short films that help you understand the Bible. And recently, their most recent kind of installment, they sort of came online and said, look, we have been avoiding spiritual warfare for years because we just didn't, we didn't really like it. We didn't really understand it. We didn't really want to deal with it. But finally, intellectual." honesty and scholarly integrity has forced us. We've explained all these other things to you about scripture, you know, why atonement and what's the purpose of the law versus grace and all this. I mean, they have these beautiful films on every book of the Bible. They said, finally, we just couldn't avoid this thing that keeps coming up over and over again. And that is, you live in a highly populated universe and there are these beautiful angels here to help us and they have various ranks and powers and assignments and they're these foul spirits. And so even these beautiful guys who love God have really kind of came into this kicking and screaming saying, yeah, we dodged it for years, but now it's time to just be honest about this. And friends, if you are just joining us in episode two, you're going to be very helped by going back and listening to episode one first, if you can, or when you're done with this one. Because picking up here in episode two, here's where we want to go. This is a multi-part series now that we are unpacking. We want to describe what we mean by spiritual warfare, what the scriptures have to say about it. We want to unpack it with a particular focus on breakthrough. These are tools that we want to put into your hands that are so life-giving and so incredibly helpful. I mean, the amount of rescue that we have personally experienced by finally accepting this as the nature of the world we live in. So a number of episodes ahead for us to unpack these things. But here in episode two, we actually want to start with the victory. Before we get into how are foul spirits, how do they operate, how do you deal with them, that kind of thing, what are curses, how do you break that, etc. We actually want to start with the victory. Let's start with what God has already won or already done on our behalf, because in 1 John 5, verse 19, late in the New Testament, the dear, dear friend of Jesus, who called himself the disciple that Jesus loved, he says this to us. He says, we know that we are the children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Okay? So... You know, just right there, we were talking last week about how most people just want to say, it's just me and God. It's just God and me. And, and I was telling the story of these, I'm having coffee with these guys who are, they're interested, they're seeking. And, he, you know, one of them asked the classic question of, well, what about all the suffering in the world? How can you believe in God when there's just so much suffering? And I'm like, right, exactly. You have to understand the war. First John five, we are the children of God, but the whole world is under the control of a ancient, dark spirit. And as we looked at last time, more than 50 million members of his army. Let me give an example of this. So one of the most disturbing realities of the suffering of the world right now is the sex trade. Men and women trafficked into the sex trade, violated daily for a dollar, 25 cents in some countries. And the fact that children, 2 million little boys and girls, 2 million, are daily subjugated to that, delivered to hotel rooms to be abused by adults. How do you understand that? And in Revelation 18, it's describing the coming victory over all darkness. And it says this, it says, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling for demons. And a haunt for every impure spirit, for all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. And that just describes our hour. Like, human sin is not enough in the biblical worldview to account for what's going on in the world. Yes, human sin's an issue, but you have this ancient spirit called Babylon the Great, who has made the world drunk with her sexual perversions. And you go, yep. You get online, you can find it. In this war, the presence of evil has to be part of how you interpret things like terrorism and genocide and things that have happened from Bosnia to Rwanda to East Asia. That's the situation we find ourselves in. And the more that we can understand it and understand what Christ has done, man, the better it's going to go for us.
1: Yeah, John, as you share that, boy, I just try to listen to my heart and say, "Where do I go with that?" And what I'm struck by is there is clearly a great goodness at hand, right? We see it in the eyes of our children and people we love in the beauty of the world. And yet, in those kind of stories, it just reminds me there's something that I can only name as like a predatorial nature, right? There's some power some predatorial energy that seems to be fueling brokenness in this world. And, and, and I go to this question of like, how did this happen? Right. right? How did right. this happen? I, I remember right. in waking the dead, you have just a brilliant teaching on this and where you take us into Genesis about this core idea in kind of biblical theology of the ruling and subduing that we find in Genesis. And I, I just want to go back to that in this conversation where it says in Genesis 1, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. It's such an important reminder to know the story in which we were born is one where God created us, man and woman, in his image, and he embodied us with his authority to rule. And so, Before the brokenness, before the spiritual mayhem, there was a design, a a desire, a design and intention in the heart of the universe for men and women to operate in God's authority and to rule. You know, in Psalm 115, verse 16, it says, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth has been given to mankind. And just this idea of ruling that we rule as God rules. It's the place in which we have say. Right. Where our will is done. It's the place entrusted to our care.
0: Yeah. And as I was trying to explain the gospel to these guys at a coffee shop the other day, you know, saying you look at any movie and there's basically one storyline. There's one plot line to every myth, fairy tale, poem, legend, song, movie, Western, Star Wars, you know, and it is there was a time when things were good. Now something terrible has gone wrong and we've got to set things right. Mm. Right? Like yes. That's it. Yep, And that's borrowed from the human story. That's, yes. There was a time when things were good. There was a time in which humanity was given lordship over the earth and nothing was broken. There was no foulness, darkness. People weren't trafficked. You know, people weren't abusing one another. None of that. It was yes. like this gorgeous, gorgeous kingdom. And part of the beauty of that is everyone got to live out their calling. Right. If you were a musician, you were designed to make music. And if you are a teacher, you are designed
1: to teach. And humanity was created to flourish in the original design. And it's so helpful to be reminded of the story because I find myself starting with today going, it's a mess, yeah. right? And, and that's true, right? Scripture says at this moment, the world is in crisis and now Satan, the ruler of this world, will be thrown out. But in this moment... It's true. The world is in crisis and it's true that the world is under control of the evil one, but we didn't start there. And the work of Christ, which we're getting into today, helps us to say, where are we in the story and how do we move towards victory?
0: Right, exactly. So, because the fascinating thing is, you know, the authority was given originally to the human race, but you get into the New Testament and the gospel of John, Jesus calls Satan the prince of this world. And you go wait a second he wasn't supposed to be the prince of this world and then darkness was not supposed to be rampaging how did that happen and then first john 5 as i quoted earlier the whole world is under the control of the evil one at present how did that happen and the reason that we're starting with authority is because it, it starts with the fall of the human race our choice for independence to determine good and evil on our own terms and when we did In Genesis chapter 3, the story is recorded. There are these two trees in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. I just want to say, we reached for the wrong tree. Everyone's looking for life, but this idea of the knowledge of good and evil can be understood as, first off, we disobeyed, we broke the command, we broke fellowship with God, we took matters into our own hands, we chose our own path, and you you can just see that repeated every day in people's lives and and we decided to determine good and evil on our own we wanted to be the ones that could say that that we can name good and evil And of course when you let people do that you come up with some pretty awful governmental systems and some pretty terrible education policies etc when we're the ones that are naming it's very popular in schools right now gender fluidity of even asking or teaching little boys and girls in school you might not be a girl you might be a boy inside you get to choose The brokenness of the human race, determining good and evil, is a real disaster. So God comes into the garden in Genesis chapter 3, and he finds Adam and Eve in this state of rebellion now, this state of fallenness. They literally have sided with the evil one, because it was the evil one who came and suggested these things. So they came under his spell, they came under his seduction, they came under his deception. And literally, in this act of disobedience... The entire human race in Adam and Eve break fellowship with God. They are internally now disoriented and broken inside. Sin enters the picture, but they also come under the rule of the evil one. And one of the most poignant verses, Genesis 3, 13, God simply says to them, what have you done? What have you done? Do you have any idea what you've just done? I mean, talk about Pandora's box. You know, that act unleashed everything that you're reading in the news today. And so God says, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take from the tree of life in this condition. I mean, the thought of the human race living forever in darkness and and in distortion and perversion is too much. So. God banished the human race from the garden. And it says he drove the man out, placed on the east side of Eden, cherubim and a flaming sword to guard the way to the tree of life. So this is how the kingdom of darkness wins the earth. And in that, you know, when God says rule and subdue, be fruitful and multiply, he's referring to everything, architecture, governments, education, commerce, industry, all of that comes now under the rule of the kingdom of darkness and the evil one and and all of his agents in the world and so that's what has to be overcome it's this abdication of authority it's this surrender of the throne and all that came through it and so what we want to focus on here is the victory of jesus christ and what i want to point out the messiah is foretold many places in the old testament one of our favorite passages is isaiah 61 which Jesus quotes to announce his ministry. And he says, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me, commissioned me, and anointed me to proclaim good news, to bind up the brokenhearted. In other words, to heal all that is damaged in the human race. And listen to this, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners because... The entire human race has come under the jurisdiction of evil, under the sway and the claim of evil, including right up to the point of death. You know, the penalty of sin is death. And so Jesus announces, I am here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. And then when Jesus names Satan as the prince of this world in John 12, what he says is now is the time for judgment on this world system now the prince of this world will be driven out and then later in john 16 he says the prince of this world now stands condemned so something absolutely extraordinary takes place in the intervention of jesus the perfect man and i want to read from philippians because there's so many allusions to this back into the genesis story Paul is urging the church, which was already beginning to do its stuff, the quabbling, squibbling, the you know, backstabbing, gossiping, all that, judging one another. And Paul's writing to the Philippians to say, please get along with one another. And he says this, he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus did, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage or some translations have something to be grasped, in, like literally thinking back to Adam and Eve, reaching for the fruit. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, by being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death, death on a cross. And therefore, God highly exalted him to the highest place and gave him... Jesus, the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth, every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so you have Christ through a life of perfect obedience, through what he accomplished in the cross and in the resurrection in the ascension, you have the undoing of Adam and Eve's choices. And through that, Jesus is able to start a new revolution. And it's a revolution of freedom and healing and life. And particularly, it is the overthrow of the kingdom of darkness on the earth. God exalts him to the highest place that at the name of Jesus, every knee bows. So this is directly referring to the powers and the principalities and the the spirits like the prince of the Persian kingdom that know, they know now that Jesus has to be submitted to. And so at the end of the gospel, Matthew 28, it's a passage so familiar to many known as the Great Commission, but what's so important is before Jesus gives the Great Commission about going out to all nations and making disciples, he says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in the spirit realm, the spiritual realms, and all authority on this earth has now been won by Jesus Christ.
1: John, let me ask you a question. Help me understand this. What you just described all took place before we were born. So we're born into this story that's going on, and we come into it, and the world's given over to the evil one, and then through Christ, that authority is regained in the spiritual world and on earth, but yet we find ourselves in this broken world. So help me understand how we interpret that and where the work of Christ comes into play, like in my life today. Yeah, it's very much
0: like the power of forgiveness. So through the cross, Christ has one forgiveness for all of us. And we'll get into that in just a moment. But forgiveness is available, but many people don't experience the forgiveness until they take hold of it. Mm. Right, you have to receive it for yourself. You have to bring it into your life. You have to apply it to very specific things. I ask forgiveness for, right, raging at my kids. And I claim the forgiveness of Jesus Christ over this sin. And then you get to personally experience it. It's there. This incredible treasure is available, but there is a process by which we take hold of it, right? and bring it to work in our lives and that's going to be like the next four episodes we're going to get into so how do you apply this
1: so what you're saying just to make sure i understand is that christ has taken back authority and yet there are still areas where though he ultimately has authority his authority is not operating that there's other authorities operating This is one of the things
0: that's actually caused me a great deal of grief and frustration over the years, is why doesn't God just do it quickly? I mean, D-Day has happened. Spiritual Normandy has happened. Beachhead has been won. The hold of the enemy has been broken. You know, the Atlantic Wall's been breached, so to speak. And now the Allies are, are on the beach and moving inland. Why don't we just wrap this thing up in a couple of years, right? And it's a really good question, Morgan, because I know you, of all people, believe that God is a God of process. He's not a God of, of quick fixes. And there is a process underway now where the invasion of the kingdom is playing itself out on the earth, clearly, obviously, because you see, you see people getting better, but you still see human trafficking. You see people coming to Christ, but you also see people sleeping under bridges, you know, and, and pushing shopping carts around the park. Clearly, two things are going on at the same time here. And this passage from 1 Corinthians 15 will be very, very helpful for people's worldview. It's talking about the coming of Christ, the return of Christ, and he says there's an order to this, 1 Corinthians 15:23. There's an order. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest, then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God, his Father, having destroyed every ruler, authority and power, now those would be the various ranks of these fallen angels that we talked about. And it says this, for Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies under his feet. So we're living in a period now where Jesus Christ is exerting his kingdom authority, and he is going to bring about a total resolution of this. But in the meantime, we find ourselves in a world at war. Mm. In the meantime, we find ourselves somewhat in a situation like Daniel did, He's living in Babylon. Babylon is the biblical archetype for the kingdom of darkness on earth. It's the symbol of the world systems that are still under the influence of the evil one, whether those are governments or film industries or sexual practices or what. We now have this incredible opportunity to join Jesus in bringing about every knee shall bow, every tongue confess, at least in our kingdoms Mm -hmm. and the victory that's available to us. And again, more on that in several episodes to come. But what we want to do this time is we want to look at the cross, the resurrection and the ascension and explain to you, really ground you in why this works, why there is victory available to
1: us. Boy, John, it's just a good reminder is there's a lot more to this gospel than forgiveness. Like, that's important. That's essential. But if you simply stay in the camp of Jesus came to forgive me from my sins, what you're reminding us of, Of it's a pretty— well, You're forgiven, but you're still in prison. Right, and you're in bondage, and the world's still in prison, right? That it still lies under the power of the evil one. So, yeah, let's go into it. The cross, resurrection, and ascension— In starting with the cross, the work of the cross, I'll read from Colossians 1. It says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Let's unpack
0: that. Yeah. Even as I'm looking at that, listening to that. um, So again, folks, you see right there, there's two kingdoms, Right. We've been rescued from one kingdom. It's called the dominion, the realm, the province, the jurisdiction of darkness. But we've been transferred, brought into another kingdom, a wonderful kingdom, the kingdom, realm, jurisdiction, province of Jesus Christ. But then when we see in verse 14 is that was accomplished through the forgiveness of sins. So it's human sin that gives the enemy jurisdiction and claim. In the beginning, it was the rebellion of Adam and Eve and the entire human race embodied in them that gave Satan dominion over the earth. But then scripture in many, many places makes it clear that it's sin, an undealt with, unaddressed sin that gives the enemy privilege, power, jurisdiction in our lives. And I realize, you know, we're going to get much more into this later. But for example, I've counseled a number of people over the years who had struggles with anxiety and we really getting hammered by the enemy. They were aware they would just, they would wake up to fear in the night. They would get swept over by fear. They were aware it wasn't just them, but they could feel that there was a brokenness and, an, and a vulnerability inside of them that now the enemy was taking advantage of and they would come to see me about anxiety. But as we got into their stories, the number of them who had some level of either issues of control yes. or issues of perfectionism, and that's sin and that sin in them was what was giving the enemy permission to harass them right because while you're trying to be perfect you don't need jesus christ while you're trying to control christ is not lord and so you know those are small ways different ways in our lives that through our sin sin is what gives the enemy access it gives him opportunity to oppress so christ had to deal with that god the father had to deal with that through jesus So one of the things that the cross does so powerfully and beautifully is it disarms the claims of the enemy because it cancels out our sin. If we go back to uh, Revelation 12, which we read last week to give us this fuller worldview of the war between the kingdoms, Revelation 12, speaking of around Christmas time, it says, then war broke out in heaven, Michael. Now we heard about him in Daniel 10, so Michael is the great archangel the captain of the armies of the lord michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back so there you go that's what we were describing last time but the evil one was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven the great dragon was hurled down and to make sure that we understand who he's talking about he says that ancient serpent so there we are with genesis 3 called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him, and then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down, and then speaking of the saints, it says, they triumphed over him by the blood of the the lamb the blood of Christ the cross of Christ has this phenomenal disarming power over evil because it cancels sin it covers sin it atones for sin and therefore cancels the claims that the enemy has been using for centuries through human Mm -hmm. sin to oppress and I love what Paul says (laughs) In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, none of the rulers of this age understood it. None of these high-ranking dark powers understood this. For if they had, they would never mm. have crucified the Prince of Glory. Like it backfired right. terribly. They thought they were winning when they crucified Jesus. and But what the atonement did, the
1: covering of your sins did, is it ends the enemy's claim in your life. John, as you described that, one of the kind of applications that feels so important to to grasp is there was this one-time act of the cross, right, that brought this work, this power, and there is an ongoing process that we have to engage in, and we live in a dynamic universe. And so what's helpful for me to get it into the practical is I'm claiming a work that has been done But in this moment, on this day, the enemy is reexerting himself in many realms and I have to utilize the power of the cross. And it's just helpful for me to understand. It's an ongoing process, it's dynamic. Like for example, I was counseling a man yesterday and in his story were the themes of self-sufficiency. He's a guy that makes life work on his own terms, a very good man, but the heartbeat of his Sin nature is self sufficiency. When he left my office, I don't know what I don't know what he's talking about.
0: Yeah, how how, (laughs) how strange that people are
1: unfamiliar with that sort of thing. Why would people struggle with that? (laughs) And because it's like a big chunk of meat on a hook. I took the bait, right? And I'm in my office, and what I'm feeling is, I need to get my act together, right? I, you know what? I just need to tighten up my finances. I need to save more, and I could feel this this atmosphere, right? Yeah. And because of what you're describing, the work of the cross what I was aware of is there was an authority. There was a demonic spirit assaulting this man that was coming into my space, my kingdom, my yes. jurisdiction. And so yes. what I had to do was exactly apply what you just described. So this is like the practical 101 Jesus Christ, right? You your death canceled and disarmed the power of this spirit, uh, in this particular instance, it's self-sufficiency that's exerting itself, and say, you have no power, you have no yep. jurisdiction. And so yep. I renounce the power, yep. I renounce the claim, and I reject the power of self-sufficiency in this yes. place. Yes. You have no jurisdiction here. Yes. This yes. is a place where we rely on the life of God. Yeah. So just to show the listeners, you know, you're so versed in this by now,
0: Morgan, what you were doing is you were claiming the power of the blood of Jesus to cancel all sin, right? And renounce self-sufficiency. And then you were using the authority that Jesus has won back that he talked about in Matthew 28, all authority to banish this thing. So, and getting much more on that to come. So, you know, don't be freaking out if you're not getting the technique right or whatever. But I do want to give a plug right now for the daily prayer. Yes, I mentioned last week, if you do one thing, get the Ransomed Heart app, it's free. Download it, open it up. There's a section in prayers, and one of the prayers in there is simply called the daily prayer, because what the daily prayer does is every day, every morning for us, we simply take our place again in the victory of Christ, and you literally pray through it. I take my place in the cross. I take my place in the resurrection. I take my place in the ascension, and it's just wonderfully, wonderfully freeing. So, what we're pointing out is each part of the work of Christ does certain things, and the blood of Christ cancels the claims of the enemy to oppress because the blood of Christ atones for sin. So, the
1: cross, the resurrection, the ascension. Let's go into the resurrection a bit, starting with 1 Corinthians 15. The scripture says So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as Everyone dies because we all belong to Adam. Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest, and then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After that, the end will come. When he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father having destroyed every ruler, every authority, and every power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet.
0: And I I love, again, you know, that the Scripture is one story, it's one theme, and it's pointing how all of this is summed up in Christ. Everything gets dealt with and summed up in Christ. He is the new man, and he deals with all of the issues of the old man. Scripture calls him the second Adam, There's the first Adam, through which we inherited death, as you just read, and then there's the second Adam, or the new man, through which we inherit life. You have been made alive in Jesus Christ. You share in his new life, and that's why in Romans chapter 5, it says that we are saved by his life. We are saved by his life, and it it goes on in verse 17 in Romans 5 to say we reign in life through his life. So, We had to disarm the evil one, but we also had to disarm death. Mm -hmm. God had to overcome death. And he had to imbue into human beings a new nature. He had to imbue into human beings a new power and a new force. So we share in that through the resurrection of Jesus. Now, we're gonna get into the application of that as we move on here, but it's just so wonderful to know. He didn't just leave us in our broken condition. He didn't leave us in bondage. Colossians 1 13, we have been rescued from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God and he didn't leave us in our condition either for you have been made alive in Christ so that's the power of the resurrection
1: I so appreciate John tying back into where you took us in there's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil and a tree of life and we, we chose the wrong tree but here what you're saying this resurrection, we're actually restoring life, right? We're grafting we're yes. into yep. true life, yep. but we have to participate with it. Yep. That though death feels like it's ruling and reigning, in in fact is in different places. You're saying in this through the resurrection, we actually bring the life of God.
0: We participate in it. You have so been good. you have been in, literally included in it. Ephesians two verse five and six says when we were dead in our transgressions god made us alive in christ so we are currently given a new life obviously the full triumph over death comes at the return of christ and there is no more death but right now those who receive christ receive a new life a new power and again more on that later let's go to the
1: ascension okay cross resurrection ascension Boy, this is just so hopeful. I could just feel hope rising. In Ephesians 1, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him At his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way.
0: I love, I love, I love this passage. There's just so much in it, but again, right there, see there again is the resource of Christ in you. Christ fills you. He's the fullness of him who fills his body. He fills the people of God now. But what I want to point out, so this is again, you know, these are the rulers and authorities and powers we've been talking about in the dark realm. Jesus has been given absolute authority and dominion over all of that now but what's fascinating is that in verse 22 it says god placed all things under the feet of jesus for the church for our benefit like we are the ones that that need Mm -hmm. this more than anyone right so what we're seeing is we're seeing all of the disaster of adam and eve into the human race we're seeing it undone the cross of Christ. Sin is atoned for. Death is overcome. We're freed from bondage. We are being restored. And then the whole authority piece is restored. The authority that God gave to the human race to rule the earth is restored. It's won back by Jesus Christ. It's given to him, but then he shares it with us. He shares it with us, which is so incredibly amazing because it goes on in Ephesians 2.6 just a few passages later after what you just read to say that God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Mm. So we currently share in the authority of Jesus. And Morgan, one of the reasons why God has left it this way. You know, I I want the two week sweep up. I want want this thing over, come on, wrap this up. You accomplished the victory, wrap it up for heaven's sakes. Don't let one more child Be assaulted don't don't let one more soul be lost come on well one of the purposes of having it the way it is right now our destiny is to rule we were created to rule in eden we abdicated that but in revelation it's very fascinating revelation 5 it says the restored saints reign on the earth Mm. for you have made them to be a kingdom And they will reign on the earth, on the earth. Okay, so beginning story, ending story, we are actually restored to a place of reigning. Well, you know, you don't give your eight-year-old the keys to the car, right? right? You barely give your 16-year-old the keys to the car. And first, they've got to go through driver's training, okay? So right now, we are in the process of learning how to reign. We're in the process of learning how to use that authority in our kingdoms in this situation in that one and like like you described yesterday or like daniel was doing daniel needed help and and he had to fast and pray and actually it was his fasting and his prayers that helped that angel break through yes more on that later but here you have in the ascension the authority restored now i realize we got a long podcast here and we're gonna have to bring this in yeah so gang, we have so much more to say about this but i'm aware that this is running long and and what i want to do is i want to come back to The application of this, the beautiful demonstration of this in Luke chapter 10. When Morgan was reading from Mark last week, we were pointing out that the regular direct engagement with the spiritual realm, dealing with the enemy, kicking him out, it's just a normal part of the Gospels. It's a normal part of the Christian life. First Jesus does it, but here in Luke 10, he then sends out the 72. This isn't Peter, James, and John. This isn't the big guns. These are just 72 of his followers. These are just... Folks, just people, his disciples. And he sends them out and he gives them his authority. And here's what happens when they return. Luke ten seventeen, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So Jesus sends them out on this test run. They come back and it works. It works. And that's why Jesus says, I saw Satan fall. I see the end of his kingdom because I can give my people my authority now and they can operate in it. So that's what he's saying there. He says, I see it. It works. I've given you authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. And then I love it. He says, however, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Rejoice that you're mine. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Like, yes, it's helpful. Yes, it works. But don't get caught up in it. And I love that. It says, Jesus, full of joy, says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. So, gang, so much goodness is available to you, so much power and authority available to you through the victory of Jesus Christ and because you belong to him. So we're going to unpack all that over a number of episodes, but let me recommend two things. Get the daily prayer. Try it. Pray it for a week. Just see for yourself. And also, if you want a wonderful, refreshing, incredibly hopeful book to read on this Read Neil Anderson's book, Victory Over the Darkness. One of my precious daughter-in-laws is reading it right now, and she's like, Dad, everybody needs to read this book. I'm like, yep, (laughs) they really do. Because it's basically this podcast in print form, and it's just going more and more into who you are now in Christ, Mm -hmm. how loved you are, how forgiven you are, the fact that you do reign with him, you share in all of it. You are safe in Christ, friends. You are good and to like dive more into that that book will help you but for now here's what we pray we pray father jesus holy spirit no fear no intimidation no panic no worry we reject those things we simply thank you god thank you for intervening and for all that you accomplish for us in jesus christ We receive the cross and all its power. We receive the resurrection and all its power. We receive the ascension that we too share in the authority regained by Jesus. We receive it in our lives and we pray that today, each of us, that the power of the cross, the resurrection and ascension, we proclaim over our lives, our homes, households, families, kingdoms.